Welcome to the Data Driven Podcast. I'm Dominic Bohan, the host of the Data Driven Podcast here, and today we've got a special episode for you, which is going to be guest hosted by Deidre Downing, who is the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Deidre's got a wealth of experience in education focused on teaching large enterprises the value of data literacy. I'm thrilled to invite Deidre and some of her friends to take the mic and share their knowledge with you, our loyal listeners. Okay. Here's a special data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast, guest hosted by Deidre Downing, the Chief Learning Officer at Story IQ. Hello, my name is Deidre Downing from Story IQ, and this week we're going to discuss optimizing customer experience with data insights and privacy regulations. Joining me today is Sam Torres, who is the Chief Digital Officer at the Gray Dot Company. The Gray Dot Company is an SEO consulting firm helping engineering, marketing, and SEO teams connect the dots between objectives, insights, and execution. Today, Sam and I are going to discuss using consumer insights data to improve the customer experience. All right, here's my conversation with Sam Torres, the Chief Digital Officer at the Gray Dot Company. Hi, Sam. Thanks so much for joining us today. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm excited. So, I'm going to start off with a little bit of a selfish question because uh, I am not in any way an expert in consumer insights data. Uh, can you just give us a brief overview of, of what that encompasses so that we're all grounded for this conversation? Sure. So typically when you're talking about consumer insights, uh, traditionally that would have been your market research. So anything coming from Nielsen, Gartner, any of those. And we know those reports are extremely expensive and time intensive to produce. Now, granted, they do give you some really incredible information and really help you get into the mindset of your consumer or who you want to be your potential customer, right? So what I really love to talk about and evangelize is that all of that data is really available to us digitally as well. I should go back a little bit, maybe not all of it, right? There's still value to the traditional methods. Uh, But I think really what digital has enabled us to do is get into that mindset of the consumer so much easier, so much faster. And, and we can do it for much less cost because we're not having to spend 18 months doing surveys. You know, we, we literally can just pull data from these online communities, from all these different sources within minutes. And because of AI and machine learning, we can start understanding and pulling out the information that, that should ideally impact and educate us on how to reach our customers, how to make their experience better. I mean, literally, you can do these projects in in a couple weeks, as opposed to having to take those six, 12, 18 month projects. So that's why I'm really excited about it, just because there's so much information at our fingertips. And I think that's what we all know, right? It's the information age, it's the age of the internet, web 2.0, whatever you want to call it. We all know it's there. So it's just about how do you harness it? How do you kind of wade through the millions upon millions, if not really trillions of data points to get to what actually matters? So I realized that was a lot, but hopefully that, that explains it. Yeah, it was super helpful. And I think uh, the idea of that that past model of, as you said, the Gartner, the Nielsen, the, the market reports, like I have a picture of those in my mind. And those were guarded and expensive and timely, as you just said. And I sort of equate this change to consumer insights with the idea that sort of everyone has some self-serve data now, right? Whether it's dashboards, no matter what your your role is, and we expect action much more quickly. So, you know, that switch doesn't surprise me at all. Uh, and I think it's probably very exciting for all of you out there in the customer experience world. I should mention, you know, when we're talking about customer insights and data, privacy goes hand in hand with that. We're going to have a full episode on that tomorrow. So if you're listening to this and you're like, Deidre, you are shirking your responsibilities as a host, please know we will dive a full episode into that. 
So I guess, you know, could you tell us a little bit more about uh, what types of data you're looking at to help form insights? What are you sort of trying to, to gather and, and understand? Sure. So that is definitely something that, you know, the, the traditional market research, that's where you get a lot of your demographic data, and then you start getting a lot of user story data. So I will say when it comes to digital, the amount of really psychographic data that we can get and really getting into the motivations behind users, that's, that's really what we're trying to pull for digital. So a lot of the ways that we do that is, you know, like I said, you can plug into an API. So one of my favorite methods to to do to grab data, to gather that information is just tap into the YouTube API. So from there, what we can do is we can actually look at what videos are getting the most watches and engagements, what kind of engagements. Uh, You can even pull the comments on videos, kind of bundle those all together and run sentiment analysis. So it's using all of those things together that, like I said, this information is free. Um, there are some quotas that Google puts in place so that, you know, you're not crawling everything they have because that's theirs. Uh, but, but for sure, you can, you can start really getting into this. So like I said, the, the types of data are, or the type of data is really getting into the why, the what's the motivation, it's what challenges, what are the questions that this audience has. Where are they feeling satisfied, right? But also more importantly, where are they feeling unsatisfied? So an example of this would be uh, that we work with customers pretty often is when we're helping inform their product roadmap. So we can use traditional SEO research methods. So that would be looking at keyword research. So what are people searching for in Google? And I'll kind of go into why we've expanded past keyword research a little bit later. But... What we can do from there is let's say the the product team already has a list of features or or new benefits that they're going after, but they need help prioritizing. We can start looking at their competitors, start pulling information that's being said about them on the internet, like like I say, on YouTube, on Reddit, even on TikTok, to start to understand where our users feeling feeling neglected uh, and really want more. Is this is there a specific feature that while there's not as much chatter about it. It's much more charged, right? Is the sentiment that much more extreme that, you know, maybe the pool is a little bit smaller, but the opportunity to turn them into brand advocates just became that much better because, you know, like I said, this might be a niche audience, but that niche audience really wants that feature. So it's those types of insights that we look for. Uh, and with this data, usually what happens is we want a business question to get started, right? We have done projects for clients where they want to know like the open ocean and what's available. Those are going to be quite a bit harder for obvious reasons because you're looking at so many data points. It's sometimes a little bit harder to understand what's, what's red herring and what's actually good for you. But if you come with a specific consumer question, which I think your traditional research would have as well, then it's really easy to start narrowing down on what data sources should you be looking at, what metrics actually matter. So like I say, for the for the product roadmap, we look at how much chatter is going on and what is the sentiment around it. We also look at companies often have egos. And so we also look at what are their competitors doing and where are they falling short because they want to steal from, from that competitor from their share. So there's a lot of different data points that we can pull. Um, but that's just one example that we do fairly often. because I think it's something really tangible that people can really wrap their arms around. It's so interesting to me as this not being my space at all, right? I've, I've done a Google keyword search and like, I know what that is, but this idea of like plugging into APIs and pulling all of that data 
my day to day wouldn't occur to me. But what it's making me think about is there's an opportunity for people who maybe didn't know that this was something they were interested in to start playing around and start thinking about the this role of uh, you know customer experience and those consumer insight data. So let's say someone, maybe a small company, let's set up a scenario here, is interested in starting to enact using uh, consumer insights. How might you suggest they get started? Uh, like what's a manageable way to start incorporating these insights into your decision making? What a great question. So if it's just the first time, I do usually recommend starting with keyword research. So again, that's looking at, it's reported by Google. There are other tools out there, SEMrush, Ahrefs. There's a lot of tools that will help you figure out keyword volume and what are users looking for and is there seasonality to it? So you can even do a really simple project would be starting with Google Trends and just looking at what are the peaks and flows and where does it ebb for interest in particular topics. Um, and you can even start getting into like geographic data, where are the hotspots, things like that. But the reason why I say that is because when it's when it's just keywords, it starts. It, it's very easy to start really digging into what is the motivation behind the keywords, what are the right keywords that really tell me what users are looking for. And like I say, it's it's very approachable. There's a ton of documentation out there on how to do keyword research. Now, the limitations of keyword research is really just what are the limitations of Google currently. So one of the things we are seeing is, you know, Google is losing share, right? The younger users, 18, um, ages 18 to 24, are much more likely to vet a pro- product on TikTok as opposed to seeing how it ranks on Google. So those are things to really keep in mind about where is your audience actually doing their searches. The next steps, once you've kind of gotten the keyword research and you're knowing a little bit better about you know, really where your audience is showing up and, and where they are in their decision-making process. That's when you can start, like I say, digging into YouTube, Reddit, even just finding the subreddits for your topic and read through them. You don't have to be a data engineer. You don't have to be a developer to get insights, to get input out of that. Now, obviously, if you want to do it at scale, that's where we start talking about you probably need to dip your toes into some data science, maybe a little bit. There are tools out there that make it really easy. I will say for tapping into the YouTube API, I will be publishing pretty soon, actually, um, at Gray Company. I've got a little guide for um, the API documentation for YouTube, even includes a little like try it module. So you can literally just do all your pulls right there. It's not as hard as people think. It looks terrifying because it's code and it's APIs, and uh, but it's actually... Once you start getting into it, it's much more approachable and you'll find that there are a lot of tools available to it. And even let's say you do that, like I say, it's, it's one of my, my fast tricks, I guess, is I just go ahead and use the YouTube Try It API sandbox uh, when I'm working with different members of my team. And when you want to run sentiment analysis, for example, Cornell has published a ton of machine learning models that are completely free to use and it comes with free courses on how to use them. It's just, it's all right there. It does take time to run it. But honestly, we've, we've had clients where we can train somebody to get started on projects within a week to start really managing and learning. Um, now, that's a heavy week for that person. You know, they're learning a lot, but it's not completely unfeasible if you give yourself a three-month plan to try to start practicing some of these skills you can definitely get to a place where, again, you're not going to be a data scientist to my friends who are data scientists. No, your job is not that easy. I know. 
but you can at least get to a place where you are pulling data that is meaningful for you that will impact your decisions. And a lot of times what's interesting too, I will say this data, there definitely have been times where it's like, wow, I had not anticipated that in the least, but I'd say more times than not, it's really been supporting the gut or like, Hey, here's what I think I know about my consumer. Like I say, there are surprises. It also can be really beneficial sometimes when you're trying to educate up because executives and leaders often get their blinds on or they're just so in their industry, they kind of forget what two people look like outside of it, uh, myself included. <laughs> so it's, um, yeah, they're just really powerful tools. So to shorten that up, try keyword research first and then start looking for where can you crawl data. There's also uh, Pinterest and TikTok have entire ecosystems called their trends. So you can go to, um, it's something that they publish for businesses who are advertising on there, but it's actually free for anyone. You can go to those trends pages and start pulling those insights and really start to understand what content is engaging your audience and also how are they engaging with it? And what are the questions that they're following up with? Because that ideally will tell you what questions you need to answer. Sam, thanks for sharing all of those resources. And while it does seem, you know, potentially intimidating to get started, it's great to know that there are all of these free resources and, you know, documented ways to get started. I love the just using YouTube's API, uh, just use their model, like why reinvent the wheel as a starting point. So great, great inspiration there. Exactly. It's a really nice way to make sure that you don't, because, okay, I've, I'm a developer. I've been coding for way longer than I want to admit. And the number of times that an API call doesn't work because of a semicolon or a comma, like I've been doing this for over 20 years and that's still what gets me every time. So any tools I can find that negate the chance of me missing a comma, I'm gonna go for it. Well, that's a a good segue into uh, a question I was debating asking, and that's around AI's role in consumer insights. And so just as you're talking about code, you know, one of the ways that I use uh, ChatGPT is to pull code for me. So things I don't know how to do, I get a string of code and I try it out. Do you think that this is going to have an impact uh, or AI in general on what you're able to learn and utilize in those consumer insights? Absolutely. And I love that you bring it up because yes, ChatGPT, other tools like that, and their ability to correct your syntax is fantastic. There are some concerns there, and I'm sure uh, we can go briefly over them a little bit today, but we'll probably deep dive into that tomorrow. Because remember that anything you put in ChatGPT is not yours anymore. So you don't want to put in any anything proprietary um, like Samsung did Whoops, with their source code. So there's Yes, AI tools can be really powerful. I will say the AI tools that are making a huge splash and, you know, it started at the end of 2022. All we talked about in 23 was AI and I'm sure we're going to continue in 24. Those are all large language models. So it's uh, my business partner. She has a, I'm going to steal this from her because I love the way she says it. It's basically a really fancy autocomplete. So that's something to keep in mind. And and then of course, you know, if there's any data points, you need to vet them because it doesn't actually vet anything. If you've ever tried it, ChatGPT can't do math to save its life. And math can become really important for development and when you're looking at data sets. So that is something to consider. Uh, But as far as helping you, like even just a, hey, ChatGPT, how can you write me a script of how, what I would put into Postman, which is a popular API testing tool? Like, 
how would I pull data from this YouTube channel on Postman? Like, and it'll tell you, you know, obviously if you run into errors and troubleshooting becomes a little bit harder, but those things are absolutely available to you. But again, just remember it is a large language model. It's not really thinking, thinking, right? It's not true AI. We haven't actually achieved that yet. It was probably a good thing for humanity, but it's, it is that autocomplete. So if you're looking for unique things or unique insights, chat GPT and other tools like it are generally not going to be what, what will get you there. Now I do have colleagues who will sometimes take the data sets that they're pulling from, you know, Reddit, YouTube, TikTok, whatever it may be, and putting it into chat GPT to help understand what's going on. That can be powerful. I'll be honest, it's not my preferred method. Again, because anything you put in there now belongs to ChatGPT and OpenAI, which means it could be reported back to someone else. And it's not really a tool for doing data analysis. Uh, there are some tools out there. Claude is a great one that actually can do that. But again, just be careful about what you're putting in there because it's not going to be yours anymore. And that's a great you know, warm up for our conversation tomorrow on privacy and, and certainly a good reminder for anyone using any of these open tools as well. And we'll certainly dive deeper tomorrow. For my last question for you, I'm wondering if you're able to share a, a success story. So perhaps a client you've worked with that wasn't using consumer insight data, uh, now they are, and how that might have impacted their business. And certainly you can be, you don't need to name clients, but I think for some inspiration for anyone who might be hesitant to try this out. Sure. So I already talked about the using it to educate your product roadmap. We've done that with some e-commerce clients um, on what new products they should carry. And they definitely saw success with that. So I love that. Uh, probably my favorite one, I'm not allowed to name who it is, but it is a streaming platform. So let your imagination take it wherever you want to. And they were wanting to do some content programming decisions. So really just what types of content, right? They, they knew their audience but really wanted to understand, are there themes of content that that audience is feeling dissatisfied or they don't like the options they have currently? So a highly competitive space. And yeah, that one was just really fun, uh, mostly because I'm very nerdy. And it was like, we pulled data on over 16,000 YouTube videos. We pulled uh, the keyword data for all of their competitors, which was over 180,000 keywords. We ran analysis. We were able, and, and through that, we were able to create kind of this topic idea generator that you would pick, you know, from your different categories. Um, and we'll say it was things like timing of year or what kind of relationship dynamic are you wanting to talk about? Because remember, this is just content that people are going to consume. And from there, like basically they could go through and pick out what inspired, what they were feeling inspired about, what kind of pitches they had for content already existing and start to understand what would the potential be based on what's already in the marketplace and how users are feeling about it. Um, so that's actually absolutely been my favorite project. And we did it in three weeks. That seems super fast. Uh, <laughs> it's like, it's like being a fly on the wall in all of your consumers. It's, it's such an interesting way to. It really is. Sometimes that makes me feel really creepy. Um, and we'll talk tomorrow <laughs> about the creep factor. Uh, and that's just when I remind myself that this is we're looking at people in aggregate. So there's still definitely going to be value in do your user stories, do your customer interviews. This data will really help you get 
to better know maybe new audiences or people that you don't relate to. So, you know, if you're a millennial, do this so that you can understand how TikTok is being used, right? Because I think I, me being a millennial, I'm going to call myself out that when my coworkers and colleagues started getting on TikTok, I was like, no, this is, I'm good. I'm going to stick with Instagram and be old. So <laughs> it's just all of that. Uh, it can really help you tap into an audience that maybe you couldn't relate to before. Great, great advice. As a fellow millennial slash Oregon Trail generation, I feel like there's, there's that. Me too. Yes, Oregon Trail. Yes, yes. We're, we're right in the middle there. I will admit this on the podcast. I do not have a TikTok because I just don't get it. But I'm, I don't know, one of three people I know where that's the case. So I only have a TikTok so I can get on there. And basically the advice that people are giving out about SEO is bad. And I'm like, no, please don't do that. <laughs> oh. All right. Well, it's good to have some motivation, right? To, to explore a new medium there. Uh, well, thanks so much, Sam. That's going to wrap up this data literacy episode of the Data Driven Podcast. Thanks again to Sam Torres, the Chief Digital Officer at The Gray Dot Company for joining us. Join us again tomorrow when Sam and I continue our conversation and discuss more about the impact of data privacy and regulations. If you can't wait until our next episode and would like to learn more about Sam, you can find a link to her LinkedIn profile in our show notes. You can also contact Sam on Twitter, where her handle is at SamTorresATL, or visit her company website at thegray.company. Just one link in our show notes I want to tell you about. If you didn't have a chance to take notes while listening to this podcast, head over to datadrivenpod.com, where we have summaries of all of our episodes and contact information for our guests. Of course, you can always reach me. Just submit an inquiry at storyiq.com. If you haven't subscribed yet and want a steady stream of data-driven brilliance in your podcast feed, we're publishing multiple episodes each week. So hit that subscribe button in your podcast app, and we'll be back in your feed tomorrow. Okay, that's all for today. But until next time, remember that when it comes to data, less is more. Thank you.